This is Channel 253. In this episode of We Art Tacoma. Oh, my God. You walk out of it. Like, I walked out of it the first time just mind blown. And I'm like, that was a really good movie, but I need to see it. It makes you want to watch the movie again. And just the way the storytelling is done, the cinematography, Oscar nominees or Oscar voters. <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, if you are listening, vote for this movie. I think they've already voted. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Welcome back to another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg. I share your feelings about the Joker. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you always throw me, Doug. Sound producer, Doug. Excuse me. Uh, we're in award season, and uh, just like we did last year, I invite a panel to talk about uh, the biggest awards that are coming uh, to the Oscars, which you can see at the Grand Cinema. So stick around. Welcome back to another episode of We Art Tacoma. This is our annual tradition of talking about uh, the Oscar ballots. I think after you do it twice, it counts as annual. Uh, and my guests today, we have Chase Hutchinson and Andrew Hammond. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Uh, would you introduce yourselves real quick um, and just say uh, say a little bit about yourself? Go ahead, Chase. Sure. Uh, my name is Chase Hutchinson. I'm a contributing film critic at the Tacoma News Tribune. I'm Andrew Hammond. I'm a sports writer at the Tacoma News Tribune and a movie nerd. And a movie nerd and a sports writer. Okay. Uh, well, we have in front of us the uh, printable Oscar ballot, and uh, this is, I think, a really uh, good way to just get some opinions. If you're going to a um, like a Oscars party, or maybe you're going to the Grand Cinema's Film Awards party because they can't call it the Oscars party, they're having an awards party at the Grand this year. Um, so if you're going to any of those, maybe you can use some of our uh, opinions to help you fill out your ballot. Um, anything we want to say before we get to the ballot about the 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 Oscars itself? No hosts this year, two years in a row. I I, I like the unpredictability of no host. Uh, sometimes you want to host, it's consistent. You get some consistency with the show, but at the same time, no host... I prefer a host, but you know it's 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 okay. It gives everybody a chance to kind of do their own thing. It's also a long show, so no host makes it a lot shorter. They're able to breeze through and get it all done a lot quicker. Do you aren't there for four hours? Any favorite hosts from from the past? You just want to who who really strike you? Uh, as I when I was younger. I wasn't a big fan of Billy Crystal, but then, like, I'm kind of a nerd, so I'll go back and watch old Oscars. Do you really? Billy Crystal, yeah, it's <laughs> sad. Uh, Billy Crystal is hilarious. He grows yeah, like, on you. Yeah, he gr- and I was like, okay, yeah, this works, but, you know, with the whole Kevin Hart thing, you can't, hey, Billy, just let's let's dust you off. Let's, no, just no host is fine. No host is fine. Yeah. You know, didn't, uh, I, I'm thinking about the Oscars, right? Hugh Jackman hosted one year, yeah. if I recall correctly. I really liked him because he wasn't like a, I feel like when you get a comedian they try to do their act. But I yes. really liked that he was like he was like PT Barnum. He was the master of ceremonies. Yep. And I thought that that one actually kind of worked. That might have been the best opening recently. Yeah, yeah. It was so good. Yeah. 
because he had that that show tunes Broadway thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Anyone you want to? I don't chase? have any favorites. Okay. I just remember Anne Hathaway and James Franco hosting, and that being a little bit of a disaster. So that's what I always think about. If there's no host and we don't have a repeat of that, then that's fine. It okay. was like the MTV Movie Awards went to the Dolby Theater, and it was like, hey, kids, no, you you go back to the kids' table. Right. Nope. Right. I'm still not sure I remember it or if it was a fever dream because it was very strange. <laughs> they would like to forget it. <laughs> and the other thing this year worth commenting on is uh, the Oscars is earlier. In fact, the Oscars used to be in like March and then they yeah. pushed it forward by a couple of weeks and now they've pushed it forward a couple of weeks again. They uh, any, any thoughts on that? I think it's to always chase declining viewership every single year. It is pretty bad. Last year it ticked up a little bit, but that was because it only couldn't get any worse than it had been. I think... Last year it was interesting because the year two years ago there had been the mix-up with La La Land and Moonlight, oh, man. which kind of added to this very high-wire, strange series of events. But I think this is probably to get a broader audience, but I don't know if it will work. Right. That and I think just the gap in, as Chase was saying, kind of in viewership and the attention span uh, in terms of award season because, you know, you have the Golden Globes, yep. then the Grammys, then you had this big gap and then it was the Oscars, and now it's like, eh, well, I mean, we could put the Oscars early. I've always thought the Oscars should have been earlier, but uh, this is a bit early for me. But you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually fine with it. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to uh, dig, dig into our ballots here. So we have printable ballots, and the things, uh, the categories that I thought we would be talking about would be the, the, the four main acting uh, op, uh, categories – Writing, directing, best picture, and maybe if you have any strong opinions about any of the other ones, we can just give a shout out to one of the films in there. Um, so let's talk about actor and actress in a supporting role. Actress in a supporting role, this is usually the one, uh, if I recall correctly, that kicks off uh, the Oscar ceremony, the first award. Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, Florence uh, Pug, Pug, Pew, Pew. Pew in Little Women, and Margot Robbie. In uh, Bombshell, any comments about any of these from my distinguished panel? I think the the biggest one is the person who isn't there, and I'm going to start off with that hot take okay. and say Lupita Nyong'o should be nominated for Best Supporting Actress and Best Actress for her dual performance in Us. The Oscars pretty historically shut out uh, horror films. True. It's sort, of, it's sort of this year's Tony Collette from Hereditary, but I, I look at that and I'm like, that should be there, and that would be my easy choice. And that's kind of disappointing that she isn't there. He kind of took the words out of my mouth because, like, when I woke up uh, to watch, by the way, I, I'm, so I'm from the Midwest, um, very early for Oscar nominations out here. Good Lord. Um, yeah, Lapita, I was like, no, she's she, she's not there. So I was, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. but, you know, I'm, I, I thought the the list that uh, that the, the nominees, I thought they were good. I, th I thought that it was, I'm okay, there's no like, oh, sh this person shouldn't be there. Okay. Any any picks out of this this list? I uh, I really actually was surprised by uh, Scarlett Johansson's performance in Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was surprisingly good. Uh, not, I mean, I've always liked her, but I thought it was a really good turn for her. Um, Margot Robbie, I feel like, has been, she's one of the ones where uh, she's been around enough and she's done enough that she could get it not just for this performance, but for her career, possibly, it right. seems like. And, you know, there's always that wild card where, like, uh, with Florence Pugh, where um, 
someone new, someone who you know really galvanized people could th- th- that would be one of those three. I think is where I'm where I'm thinking. Any yeah, thoughts? I'm going with Florence just because she took a character that a lot of people had been familiar with, but yep. brought some depth and, to her and disliked. Yeah, and that she'd been kind of unlikable. But this brought a new layer to the character and made her more relatable and understandable. And really she, even though people were making jokes about young version of her, they just had bangs. Right. I thought she did do a good job of embodying playing a younger person and then growing and maturing. I'm, I'm going to go off the grid for this one. Um, my sleeper, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. I really like Richard Jewell is a good movie. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Clint Eastwood movies, but... Recently, especially. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At least this has professional actors in it. His previous yeah. movie didn't, and yeah. that was a detriment. Yeah, and, and Kathy Bates, just the way she commanded the screen, every scene was, you know, it, it, it there was just a, a focus and a... I was very, I was more fascinated with her performance than I was with the lead actress. Uh, mm-hmm. For uh, her name escapes, her name escapes me. Olivia Wilde. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was more fascinated with her work than Olivia's in this, in, in, in Richard Jewell, and I was like, yeah, you know, okay. Kathy, Kathy deserves a nod. So. And do you have any any predictions or get or favorites here? I think prediction. I might say that it's probably going to be Kathy Bates, just because of the long career. It's Kathy Bates. Oscar voters like sort of recognizing someone for their body of work. I do think Florence is probably the one I would pick because I do think she also has an impressive body of work. This year's Midsommar, that unfortunately was shut out as well. Lady Macbeth, which was a great movie a couple years ago, but. Kathy Bates certainly has the the long history with voters, and sometimes the voters don't even watch the movies. They just pick the names they recognize most. Right. Speaking of, let's talk about actor in a supporting role. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Who's heard of these yokels? Never heard of them. <laughs> probably, bunch of com- probably, probably a bunch of community theater yeah. actors. Right. Their um, first break. <laughs> That, I mean, like, like, which of these five is the least known? Like, you can't pick because they're all household names. It's amazing. Um, Tom Hanks, first time being nominated in something like 20 years for, yeah. for an acting. And what are your thoughts on this powerhouse category? This feels like, and I'm going to go with the sports analogy here, this feels like watching Final Four games in, like, the Sweet 16, and you're like, wait a minute, there's, like, in any other year, this will be a best actor category. Now it's yeah. like, oh, this is supporting actor. So, like, w- when the nominations first came out, I was like, this is going to be a hard choice. And here we are, what, a week out from the Oscars or two weeks from, out from the Oscars? This is a hard choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've seen all these movies. They're fantastic. And I, I, I'm really excited for this category, especially this year. My prediction is probably that Brad Pitt has this one on lock. It is a very strong category, but he won the Golden Globe, has been cleaning up a lot of the other awards. And this kind of was a year where he returned to a role that people thought fit him. He's sometimes a leading man, but I think he really shines in these like small supporting roles. Because throughout the entirety of the movie, it's kind of a melancholy performance because he's always the sideshow. But he's okay with that. But he embodies it in a really interesting way. I personally would love to see Joe Pesci get one because this is probably the last time we're going to see Joe Pesci 
in a movie like this. Mm. He's generally shifted more towards music and only came back because it's Marty Scorsese. And it was basically the most Marty Scorsese movie he's made of all time. (laughs) And I actually thought Joe Pesci, especially towards the end of the movie, was like really good in it, especially some of the scenes where... It was very subtle. He would simply say to Robert De Niro's character, don't make the call to tip off the the person. Don't I don't want to spoil it. Don't don't go against us. And that was all he needed to say. But it was very subtle and very interesting. Okay. Do you have a favorite or a, or a uh, pick in? Favorite? I, th- I think Brad Pitt is going to win this. Uh, I've seen, of, of all the pictures this year, I think I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood three times in the theaters. Wow. Loved it. Um, but... Yeah, I I want Joe Pesci to win because I thought he was fantastic, and I love Joe Pesci as an actor. Um, I mean, Joe Pesci hive stand up, uh, <laughs> but I think Brad Pitt will probably uh, end up walking away with it. What do you think of the argument that Tom Hanks? You know, he was on every poster. He like like right. like he was the sell for that movie. Does that change the calculation in the sense that, like, he was like almost like the leading actor who just happened to be pigeonholed in this, where the other ones are actually more supporting? Yeah, that's—I was a bit confused. Like, I know that he's not the quote-unquote central character, but right. it was just— it's about Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Except it's not really, though. I know. Because it's about I know. the reporter who then I covers know. him. And that was my problem with the movie is I thought when Tom Hanks was there as Mr. Rogers, and I was initially nervous. Everyone was excited. But I, upon first seeing him, felt like it was almost an SNL-level sort of characterization. Mm. But it surprised me. I thought, especially the scene in the diner where he sort of just talks with him and then has even just a moment of silence and he looks into camera – I thought it was particularly moving. Oscars are weird where it comes down to what is best supporting actor, what is best right. actor, because it is about him, but he's not the main character. So that's that's unfortunate, but I, I do think it's good that he got the recognition. I don't think he'll end up winning it. Okay. Let's uh, keep with the actor and uh, move on to leading role. Actor in a leading role, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam Driver, Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. And Jonathan Price, The Two Popes. Who wants to go first? Chase, you go ahead. So Joaquin Phoenix won at the Golden Globes, which, again, not to keep going back to this, but there's a lot of voter crossover, sure. a lot of the same people saying, oh, yeah, this is good. And his acting was the most acting of the movie. And I mean that with all respect because I do think Joaquin Phoenix is maybe the best part of that movie. I do think it's he was better in this movie called You Were Never Really Here, which was basically this movie but a little more nuanced. I think he's probably going to win. I almost wish it could be Adam Driver because I do think him and Marriage Story and some of the scenes, he's basically giving long monologues and long arguments. And it went viral on Twitter the scene from Marriage Story of them arguing, and people out of context made fun of it. But in the context of the movie, it's building up to this tension, and Adam Driver does a really good job of embodying this frustration, this anger that comes from two people's marriage falling apart, where Neaver's really, quote-unquote, the villain of it. They're both deeply flawed and have made mistakes, but they're deeply relatable, and that was the performance I thought was best. 
that would be my choice, but I think Joaquin Phoenix probably has the best shot you, at you're it. You're right. They do give the award often to whoever it feels like acted the most. Yeah, the most measurable acting. Sometimes subtlety is not always rewarded. In Leonardo DiCaprio won for The Revenant because he actually ate a bison liver or and whatever it was, stuff, yeah. even though some of his previous performances he, might he have been He worked really more, hard for that, yeah, that role. Yeah, he put in all the work. He put he in really all the work. showed it, yeah. <laughs> What do you oh, think? Oh, gosh. No, now I'm just giving Revenant flashbacks. And I was like, wait, is that bear killing Kip? Oh, ooh, yeah, he probably deserves an Oscar. He survived <laughs> a bear attack. Um, I, I'm i going Joaquin as well. I, I'm i not the biggest fan of Joker. Um, I can expand on that I'm not going to see it. I'm, I'm not going to see it. I'll just tell you that. I, yeah, you're I, good. I am boycott. You're fine. <laughs> you're, you are okay. Um, if you've seen the trailer, you've basically seen the movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I I want Leo to win because I thought he was fantastic in Once Upon a Time. But uh, Joaquin Phoenix, just the way he commanded the screen and acting like as Chase said, like he did some serious acting and the scenes and the really impactful and the climax scenes of the movie. You're like, wow! Like you just yeah. you get lost in it. So I. I, I think he should be rewarded with that. And as Chase was saying, you know, the trend in award season, it's leaning towards Joaquin for this. So I'm going to uh, okay. go out on a limb and say, yeah. Okay. The only unfortunate thing I want to add about Joaquin is that some of the writing and the lines he delivers towards the end, it really just abandons any sort of subtlety or subtext where he literally yeah. just announces his motivations and why he's doing things. Like, this is what happens when you take this and this happens. Right. Which up until that point, you were like, oh, there's some room for interpretation. So sometimes the writing removes it, and it's not really his fault, but it does make me feel like some of the subtlety of his performance just gets thrown to the side. Because of the script that he Yeah. Was, okay. Um, actress in a leading role. Here we have uh, Cynthia Erivo. Uh, Ur- Am I saying that correctly? With Harriet, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Uh, and I always struggle with uh, with uh, Soirees. So, no, it's 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 Sorsha. Sorsha. I've uh, heard it said, and then I it just goes right out of my ear. Sorsha Ronan, <laughs> Little Women, Charlize Theron, Bombshell, Renee Zellweger, um, Blast from the Past, with Judy. Um, and it's worth pointing out that uh, Cynthia for Harriet is the only person of color uh, in any of these roles. Um, any thoughts on this category? So I've only seen uh, of of these. I've only seen Bombshell and Judy. So um, my my scope is going to be a bit limited here. Okay. But you guys can go ahead and kind of break that down if you want. Chase? I, I've actually seen all of them. And the interesting thing about Cynthia, she was in this movie Widows last year. Yeah. And Widows is great. Widows was great. But the types of movies that Oscars nominate oftentimes aren't movies like Widows. Because right. the, the fascinating thing is that the director of Widows had previously directed the movie 12 Years a Slave and got nominated for that and got a lot of attention for that. So conversations about what types of stories get recognition is interesting. Although, although I mean, Widows is comparable to to 
it should be comparable to any of Martin Scorsese's. Oh, movies. absolutely. And yet, Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese gets nominated for right. crime dramas. Right. But that one is not nominated as a right. Crime drama. And her performance wasn't nominated, even though I thought it was like very interesting. She was more of a supporting who, who role. Who was in she in, wi- in Widows? Was she, she the was, babysitter? She was the babysitter yeah. that comes in at the end as the getaway driver yeah. when they need one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sort of the conflict she has with Viola Davis's character is particularly interesting. Yep. And so she's good, but I don't think she'll win. I think she was sort of thrown in as they do to feel like they're not totally shutting out all diverse actors, even though there were a lot of other performances that could have been recognized. Lapita, again, who I thought, especially seeing it a second time, all of these little subtle details in her performance were really, really good, and it's unfortunate she got shut out. I think who will probably win is Renee Zellweger, Really? Who you said, yeah, who you said it was a blast from the past. She won the Golden Globe. I thought her performance was good in Judy. It sort of was a little bit of falling into the pitfalls of the biopic music story. Sure. But I did think she did a good job. And I think that will be enough, again, based on the fact that it has already won for Golden Globe. Oscar voters don't really see all the movies. I doubt they've all seen Little Women because I think Little Women all had fantastic performances but it'll she, and she really she i mean she really was the star yeah. along with Florence she and really yeah. carried that in many ways yeah um do you think that Scarlett Johansson is canceling herself out by being supporting and leading that's a that doesn't happen very often uh it could have happened th- for Brad Pitt this year yeah i i don't think so i think it was just one of those okay let's we want to put both of them in there. Yeah. We can throw one in, you know, one in supporting, one in leading, and at the same time, hey, we're good at the end of the day. I just think it's great to include Scarlett, to include some Asian American diversity, really. That's a joke because that is she a joke. was yes. she was in Ghost in the Shell and yes. that's been what everyone's saying on Twitter. Right. And I think that is kind of unfortunate is that sort of certain actors do get nominated because I think Scarlett is great, but I think uh Aquafina in The Farewell would have also been, been fantastic. Deserving. And because I watched The Farewell a second time with hmm. my parents and liked it even more mm-hmm. because I think Aquafina is doing a lot. She's playing someone who's struggling, as we all are, with jobs, with work, trying to find her way in America, desiring to go back home, and all these little things that I think just got overlooked. And she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy Performance, but then wasn't nominated here, which is unfortunate. That's interesting. Yeah, I, well, he said Aquafina, and two names that I was surprised for the leading role that didn't get it were one, Aquafina, and two, and don't laugh, Jennifer Lopez. I was going to ask and, about J-Lo, yeah. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of J-Lo, but here I was defending J-Lo that day, and I'm like, like, how was it? it <laughs> and it was, and usually the Academy awards those this person did that role right. and they killed it. Right. But, and they usually reward that. So that's why I was kind of surprised that she didn't get that she, nomination. She's in that interesting uh, in, in Hustlers where is she the lead? Is she supporting? Because, you right. know, Constance Wu is in theory the lead. Yeah. Um, and but but J Lo has as much screen time maybe it's maybe not True. but 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 like she's a, she's in the movie a ton and it's and enough she, and, to warrant and she steals the show every time she yeah. I mean she is the star of that movie right. regardless of what you would say about Constance Wu. even though we're talking all about people that aren't nominated I think the fact that none of the cast of Parasite was nominated for anything they won the SAG award for best ensemble cast and I think they all individually did a really good job of. 
showing the complexities of class, of division, whether it was the mother of the wealthy family, the mother of the poor family. Everyone sort of did a really good job in that. But it's it's still probably going to go to Renee Zellweger, no matter how much we sort of fan cast and talk about the people's champion of J-Lo. It's, <laughs> it's not going to happen, unfortunately. I, I would like to see, and I don't know if the Academy does this, I would like to see how the voting shakes out. Mm. Um, just no, in they, terms don't, of, they, they don't do that. There's sometimes the person who, like, reveals why they thought why they yeah. thought and it's always very concerning you're always like what right. why right. like they're having to vote splain their way out yeah. of yeah. it um, but I would like to see how this shakes out I think if I had a winner I'd have to choose between the two I think it will be Renee Zellweger um I still need to see Little Women. I probably won't see Little Women, but I think Renee Zellweger uh, will probably win. Even though Scarlett would be a nice surprise, even though I made fun of her and gave her a hard time just a second ago, she is very good in uh, Marriage oh, Story. And she's also she's she's very good in most of the things she's yeah, cast. She's I mean, good. Like, yeah, she's good. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about screenplays, director, and then the big one, Best Picture. Stick around. <laughs> Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. And I've been a member of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid, really. My parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big bank, it was from TAPCO, and I still have that too. What I appreciate about TAPCO is they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, TAPCO keeps its focus on Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach branches and ATMs in the Tacoma area, and when I don't want to drive, I just use their online or mobile banking. To this day, TAPCO helps parents teach kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings, not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. And welcome back. Thanks to our sponsor and uh, thank you to the members of Channel 253 who support this podcast. Uh, $4 a month or $40 a year helps keep the lights on, keeps uh, the sound uh, the sound flowing, uh, so we really appreciate it. If you want to support the this podcast and all the others, channel253.com slash membership. Okay, let's talk about writing. Um, adapted screenplay, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Any feelings, thoughts, opinions? What do you got for me? I'm going to start some beef because I think Andrew's probably going to disagree with me. Let's hear it, Chase. I would say Little Women... Because of the fact that it took an existing story and... That has been told on film told a on dozen film times. Told a dozen times. Everyone was very familiar with it and updated it and made it feel fresh. Because going into it, I was expecting to not be bored, but sort of be back in my seat of, I've seen this story before. I know how it's going to go. And it surprised me. It really had a lot of interesting changes to it that I think bring something to the table and really uphold what should be a best adapted screenplay. <laughs> and did you have any any opinions? Um, <laughs> when I saw Little Women on adapted screenplay, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I expected that. Sure. Um, 
The Irishman. I've read the book. You know, I hear you paint houses. Yeah, it's oh, good. Fantastic. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. See, what was that? Jojo adaptive? Rabbit is fascinating because the book is nothing like the movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. The um, book is a serious telling of the story with no sort of fantastical elements in it. Yeah, and I think Jojo Rabbit is kind of like the sleeper. I think it will win. For this uh, category? Yeah, I think it will win, but I would pick The Irishman because just the adaptation from uh, from print to screen is pretty flawless. But I think Jojo Rabbit will probably end up winning it. I'm going to push back on that and say I don't think Jojo Rabbit is actually as good of an adapted screenplay. And I say this with sadness because it was one of my most anticipated of the year. But the story it ends up telling, and I'm not as... There, there's a great review that Justin Chang for the LA Times wrote about it, and he is very not a fan of this film. And I'm a little more forgiving of it, but it's not a satire. It doesn't really have much to say. Coming away from it, it feels very childish, which I understand was the point, but there are childish stories that have very adult themes. I think of Pan's Labyrinth. I think of stories like that where there's fantastical elements and it has commentary this sort of felt very surface level to me. And while it did change its material quite drastically, I don't know if it made it into something that I would say is the best adapted screenplay. I would rather see The Irishman and share what Andrew's saying, that the book to movie was more interesting. Okay. Okay. So uh, so your, your guesses right now, it sounds like you're thinking uh, Jojo Rabbit, you're thinking maybe Little Women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But both of you hope for The Irishman. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Okay. Okay, let's talk about original screenplay. We have 1917, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. What are we thinking? Chase, go ahead. So (laughs) I'm going to go to bat for Parasite on basically every category that it's in because I think Parasite does have the best screenplay. Seeing it a second time, there's so many interesting little details. I like in stories where things are written to serve two purposes. And I'm not going to spoil as to why, But there's a moment in Parasite where the wealthy head of the family father says some derisive comment about the previous housekeeper who they've kicked out and says, you know, she was great, but she would always eat enough food for two. And that serves two purposes. The first is to make it clear that he's very rude and disrespectful. And then a second purpose that you only realize later. And I think that's the type of detail that is very much appreciated in stories, but we don't even realize it until we think about it because it sneaks up on us. It's very nuanced and detailed, but it's those types of things where characterization happens, but story also happens at the same time. One doesn't come at the expense of the other. Got it. Um, I agree with Chase, and it was funny because I've seen Parasite twice, and upon the second viewing, I was like, okay, original screenplay, this is going to win it. Because at first I had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because the way they tell the story, and I won't give anything away, but you're like, oh, okay. Like, you, and you start to pick, and it's like, that was actually, that's pretty clever. Uh, but then I saw Parasite the first time, and I'm like, it's pretty good. Saw it the second time, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, once upon a time, you were the, you were the clubhouse leader, but. Parasite came in at the end and stole it. So, okay. uh, I, so, so, Knives Out. I will just say is, is a good. fascinating oh, yeah. screenplay. Good. It's it's one of the very few 
murder mysteries where like in theory the answer is revealed at the beginning which is helpful which is but but like you know so a lot of the tension comes from like who hired the detective that's never that's not oh no because they're gonna have all these movies with him now so it's it's just a fascinating (laughs) uh it's a really interesting um take on a on a movie mystery and what i will say in praise of that to echo that is when a murder mystery happens and you're sort of trying to figure out who it was the whole time and then, oh, it turns out it's the neighbor from around it's the street who you've never heard right, of right. until that point. This was nice that the answer was there the whole time. You just needed to, like, see it all unfold. It was interesting. And it makes sense then thinking back. I, I'm going to also say that there there is a movie on here that I really think should have been up for best original screenplay, and that is the screenplay for Booksmart. Yes. Okay. Um, I thought that was a very funny movie, and, oh, and so it good. certainly had a lot to do with the two performances of the of the two leads. But the writing was really sharp. I feel like, and I think we're. But in it's this, a comedy, so that yeah, you know, yeah that's w- always the struggle. And I feel like we're in this era of comedy movies where, and Todd Phillips has kind of complained about it a little bit, to the point where it's like, well, you know, we can't have you know our. Our sophomoric jokes anymore. Everything's you know. But Booksmart did are, that. Yeah, people. It's like people are too woke, and I, I think that Hollywood and some of the establishment have kind of embraced that right that that thinking because I thought Booksmart was hilarious. It was, and it didn't get the praise it it truly yeah, deserved. which is unfortunate. Yeah, I actually watched that last night again. Hilarious, it's a funny movie. Yeah, <laughs> recommend. Uh, okay, so that covers us for the screenplays. Let's talk about best director as uh, all men, which uh, was mentioned during the, <laughs> the right. announcement. Congratulations yeah, to all those men. Yes, um, we have Bong Joon Ho for Parasite, Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time. Dot 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 in Hollywood. <laughs> I only I just want to say it like that one time. Okay, I like it. what do we think? Bong Hoon Jo should really just camp. Should just like set up a tent uh, over by the uh, over by over by the lectern. Okay, uh, that night <laughs> just to live up there. <laughs> like 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 in those like in uh, I'd say three about three categories. He should just kind of just chill there because he's gonna be he's gonna be there for a while. He's, he's, you you really think stage. he's going to be winning these things? It's between him and Sam Mendes in my book because the story of 1917 is not particularly new. It's sort of very straightforward and That's it's all way. in service of the direction. Right. Even though I'd be curious to know how much of it was a product of Sam Mendes directing certain things or the cinematographer directing certain things because a lot of that was them having to work in conjunction with each other. Sure. The reason I would agree, but cinematography that usually I feel like goes to like interesting shots and things right. like that. Where yeah. th- this kind of a movie, they would probably give the nod for direction more yeah. than cinematography. I would be curious though if I don't know, maybe Todd Phillips comes out of nowhere because people for some reason he made think comedies. His, now it's a, yeah, yeah that it could be rewarding it's his, his shift, right. even though I really don't think he deserves it. The reason I'll say in support again of Parasite is because. Bong Joon-ho, if you ever want to look these things up, he writes storyboards that are so detailed, they're almost graphic novels. Like he's talked about, or other people have joked about, him turning them into graphic novels. He's so detail-focused, and every single thing has a purpose. I would also recommend looking up uh, 
there's this video essay channel on YouTube because I'm also a movie nerd and watch these called Nerd Writer. Okay. And he broke down one of the sequences of Parasite and it's so deliberately paced and structured and everything is so precise and perfect that for me, that is what a best director does where everything is firing on all cylinders that you don't even notice it because it's just so smooth through the whole thing. Okay. So you're you're both in the can. Yes. For, uh, Even though Quentin Tarantino is a bit of a Hollywood favorite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a story about Hollywood. Hollywood. Which they really do like to... Uh, Pretty often, yes. They like to pat themselves on the back. Like, <laughs> yes, I, they I, do. I, I think for some of these roles, and, and really if you if you watch the Oscars like you, know, you all do, and I'm sure the people listening watch the Oscars year after year, you see some of the smaller rewards start to set the tone for the night. Right. You know, you look at... Costume, film editing, um, trying to see. What In theory, else is all on the here. like details that make up. Yeah, like sound mixing, like some of those, like they start to set the tone. I call it the uh, Lord of the Rings theory. Uh, if if because like get those small words, you're like Lord of the Rings really won this, and then by the end <laughs> of the night, Lord of the Rings has like. 12. It's like they're introducing the idea to you that, oh, it should win all these yeah, things. Yeah, it's right. like, hey, this is going to happen. Don't they still have the record for Return of the King? They, it was uh, like, yes. I think they beat out even Titanic as the wow. most. Yeah. Which, I mean, but, but they were giving those awards for like all three movies combined, basically. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that they gave it to the second best one, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the, the big dog here. And let's, let's, not, uh, let's just talk about each of these movies, maybe individually. Um, and I'm going to start at the at the top of the list. 1917 appears to be a single take uh, with with some trickery. With some yeah. trick. Well, you can't do it without trickery. No, yeah. Even you know, rope. When Hitchcock did it with rope, he, he was limited by the real length of the reel itself. So right. you know, you have and so to. So he'll do it. duck behind a table right. when they open it. Yeah. yeah, rope is great though. Yeah. Uh, anything we want to say about 1917 as a as a film? I love a nice war epic. This is a great war epic. I think in any other year. This could be a top three contender. I think one. This is one of those years where it's hard to pick a three, and yeah. I think they get lost in that shuffle. Especially now that there's more than five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. We actually saw this one together, yes. Andrew and I, and he's much more familiar with it. And I thought it was a solid movie. It was a I, good movie. Yeah. Absolutely. I just don't know if it has gotten as much attention as everything I don't else. know that it deserves a right. lot of attention. I mean, it was a good movie. Yeah. No question. But I, Frankly, I thought picture? the documentary was better. I thought oh. the documentary uh, that it's based on, I was actually kind of shocked it didn't uh, get adapted screenplay. But yeah. um, I, once again, five movies, it's hard to sure, sure, put them sure. all in there. But no, I thought Ford vs. Ferrari tells a great story. Uh, it's going to win sound editing. If it doesn't, I will riot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought I thought Ford vs. Ferrari was fantastic. I thought, I thought everybody that movie is going to make stars coming out of it. Like, I think I think John Berenthal is going to be... He's he, always, he, yeah. He's, he's going to... He's always been a great supporting, you know, man, but I think that rocket... Just keeps he, going. Yeah. He, okay. So he's going to, next two years, going to be pretty good. The Irishman. Any thoughts? Martin Scorsese just, if, if, if you need a peak Martin Scorsese movie. This is yeah. it. And you have, it, it check, it's like bingo, yeah. but it's like playing blackout with Martin Scorsese. Oh, do we have Gimme Shelter in this one? Yes. Do we have the... <laughs> Uh, execution style kill shot. Yes. Um, let's see. Do we have uh, it? 
insert member of Goodfellas and or multiple <laughs> and or the Sopranos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if if you like Martin Scorsese. This is I, I think it has a chance because it is his most reflective type movie. Robert De Niro's character looking back on his life and the last shot especially sort of being alone with all this like history of violence. And even though there was a lot of conversation about Anna Paquin's character not having a lot of dialogue, I actually thought her performance spoke volumes of her sort of alienation from her father and how his decision to live this life distanced himself from her. And it almost feels like Scorsese reflecting on his own sort of career and some of the themes he's been going with. And that's what I appreciated about it. I also think there is sometimes a little bit of a Hollywood bias against Netflix because they do want to defend the theater a little bit. Yeah, we Even got... though Netflix does a lot of good work bringing movies you wouldn't see like Roma to wider audiences. His name is Steven Spielberg. You can, yeah. It's okay, Chase. You can call it. You can, you can call I don't know it. if he has that much clout. <laughs> He's pulling the strings. There's definitely anxiety around things that have unusual distribution. So right. it, yeah. it could hurt it. I, definitely possible. Uh, next on here, Jojo Rabbit. So I have heard that this could be a sleeper because Hollywood likes to give give it to films that say racism is bad. Like like if, that's if that's your mess, no, really I'm, says. but that's all that Crash said. That is all that uh, Green yeah, Book. you're right. Like, like oh, racism no. is bad as oh, a theme no. tends to tends to do pretty well. True. He 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 knows my thoughts on Green Book. Yeah, I... Green Book was the worst <laughs> of all time. No matter what, even if this one, it wouldn't be as bad as Green Book, but it would be probably close as it comes to like surface level commentary about hating people is bad but that's that's about it it doesn't really go beyond there and I actually think at times it almost toes the line a little bit dangerously certain decisions the young boy makes at the end where he lies about certain things were very alarming for what I thought was the theme of it and and to be fair that lasted about a minute and a half. Yeah, it like, did. Like, but that that he was considering, without spoiling it too much, he was considering lying to someone and yes. basically having their life be worse off because of it. And he, and he got slapped in the face for it, which may not have been enough. Right. Um, or it to, shouldn't to have make, happened. I just was, I was wondering why that decision happened towards the end. But based on your analysis that Crash did win, Green Book did win, I hope not, but you're right. It could sort of fit that niche of like, Easily able to pat ourselves on the back, but not challenge anything deeper. I, I will say the 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 um, it's it's let's not call it a satire. Let's call it a a, a black it comedy. It self a satire, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. But if you look at it through the lens of like a black comedy, okay, like Rebel Wilson giving a kid a you know like a a, a bomb and saying go hug an American, yeah, and, and it worked. Like that was a funny. It was yeah, that was funny. Like, like like that that is that is hard to pull off. Like like a, a comedy with a suicide bomber kid in it is hard to pull off, and they mm-hmm. pulled that off. Like like it's it it did its its dark comedy very well. As best as it could. As best yeah. as it could. I I I, really, I thought Jojo Rabbit, it has the, and, and I'm, this is no comparison at all. So anybody listening, you guys right now, it had parts of the spirit of Blazing Saddles, and I mean, <laughs> this is no comparison, but it's this. Oh my God, this they did is that. really. They did that, and I think that it works if you understand it, understand some of the nuances with it. We. The typical moviegoer is not a nuance type 
So I don't think that they I don't think it, they received it as well as maybe it should have. I thought it was a fantastic movie, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see if it does win Best Picture, what the reaction will be. I, I, I don't think it's going to win, but but if it is, it's because racism is bad. It's, yeah. As, as a popular and and, ho- and, holoca- and, and Holocaust movies. Yeah. Also very popular yes. with the, with, which, you know, it's not a true Holocaust movie, but like yeah. a it's movie. It's in the background. It's in the background. It, yeah. of it. Oh, for sure. Uh, let's talk about uh, Joker, which, as I said, I'm, I'm not going to see. Uh, I have no desire to see it. And that's uh, okay. You've seen Dark Knight. You've seen the Dark Knight, right? Yeah. Okay. So then yeah, you've you, seen the best Joker performance. So yeah, I, this is different, but it, I know it's <laughs> it's it's just that that the, the, you know if you push someone too far, he's going to start shooting. Like I just don't, he says that explicitly. I, I know. Towards I, the I, end. I, I have no interest in seeing that movie. Like like I just yeah. don't don't want to see it. I think the biggest I thing, don't want it in my brain. I had written down a few quotes about my favorite things that people had said about it. They described it as baby's first taxi driver because mm. it very much feels like that. And then the other one, and this is a little more biting. If you've never swam in the ocean, a pool will seem deep. This movie is very surface level, but he talked about it as if it was smuggling in sort of a story into a superhero movie, and I think that is admirable and interesting. I think Logan, Logan did that was better. A, Logan where, was a good, good, yeah. good, good movie. And this sort of feels like, oh, it's almost still tied down to too much of superhero mythology and has a little too many storylines going on. I think if it had been streamlined down and stripped away of some of the other extraneous plots, it would have probably been the movie I already referenced, like you were never really there. But I don't know. Martin Scorsese said it best because people asked him about this movie and all the similarities, and he said, it's okay. You watch it. I haven't remembered a lot of it except for some of the problems I had. Okay. It's, it's not damaging or harmful in the way people were talking about it, because it is centered around mental health care and the lack of access to it, I think it does have a problem with then saying all people who have mental illness will become violent. We'll start shooting people. Yeah, up, yeah. because th- it happens very suddenly. Yeah. In a movie like Taxi Driver, you see his loneliness and alienation begin to build, and it feels more real and authentic. This feels rushed and a little bit messy. Okay. Um, I, I don't think that this is... I, and this is a hot take. Do it. I don't think that this is the quote-unquote comic book or superhero movie that should have been nominated. Um, here we go. Here's here's Joker is basically the Dark Knight and the King of Comedy high-fiving each other, and it creates Joker. So, I mean, I, I thought King of Comedy was actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Super dark, but... And Robert De Niro's character in this is basically like his character from King of Comedy if he had continued on. Yeah. Um, the one comic book movie, can I, and I'm surprised that the Academy didn't do this, they usually reward anthologies and series. Of, like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. I'm surprised Endgame did not get a Best Picture nomination because of the way they tied the story together in the end and all the buildup that it had with it. I was a bit surprised, but I, I think that the the Academy. I, I hear what you're saying, but but they they're really wary of any superhero stuff, especially right. because it, it has it has taken over Hollywood. Yeah, um, 
I could see for special effects it getting some stuff. Oh, for sure. Because sure. that's that's always remarkable, and I feel like those names should sometimes come first Ap- in the credits. After yeah. giving Birdman the award, I don't know yeah. that they'd turn around and then give one. Yeah, because that was sort of a critique of exactly. superhero movies. Yeah, yeah, um, which is which is fine. Um, but yeah, no Joker. I, I was honestly a bit stunned at how many awards eleven nominations. I know. It's one of the most, if not the most. Yeah, uh, yeah for comic book movie, yeah. Um, for any, I think, at that oh, level. Oh, wow. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to Little Women. Uh, Little Women, uh, I I really, uh, it's been years since I'd seen any of the adaptations, and the the nonlinear storytelling worked. Really it really worked. did. It, wor- it really worked, and she found something new. And it added that level of kind of melancholy and emotion where you would see them having a wonderful time flying kites on the beach and then her with her sister reading her stories for right. the last time. Right. And that that works and it really adds that gravitas to it. The only thing I will say and this is not me trying to be mean to this person but Bob Odenkirk when Bob Odenkirk I, shows up in it I almost laughed. And his first line is my little women I couldn't. I started dying and he's he's actually good in a lot of it. But it's his introduction that kind of threw me He's, for a second. He, he will always be Saul to me. I know, and, yeah. And playing a, a serious role without any any hint of irony, he still brings. He irony. didn't make any jokes, really. No, no. But that's what. But Bob Odenkirk has irony in his face, and yes. Oh, oh, oh! Irony, Odenkirk. Um, I have beef with Little Women. I've seen the 1944 version. I've read the book. I've seen the 1994 version. I didn't need another version of Little Women. There is something to be said about what stories get told over and over and over again. And and I know that the Oscars likes that. Mm -hmm. And and, and they do like that. Oh, they did this movie from whenever, like, A Star Was Born. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's been done over and over. Like, the Oscars loves that. I get it, but I'm just like, eh, all right. But you said Bob Odenkirk says a My Little Women line. Yeah, the first I time ki- you see him. I kind of sort of need to see it just <laughs> for that scene now. Marriage Story. Do you want to say anything about this, Chase? I think it's Noah Baumbach's probably best film or one of my ones that I feel like is the most clean. It feels a lot like this movie called The Squid and the Whale. That was a good movie. That he also made. This feels a little more... Structured and real, certain elements of the squid and the whale feel a little bit shock value centered um, to where it's just like, oh, how how wild can things get? Oh, his father is sleeping with one of his students. Like something I believe could happen but almost sort of distracts and feels like, oh, we have a clear villain. This is interesting because there's no clear well, villain. Well, I, I think what made the squid and the whale work is the 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 um, – the change in in the perception of his two parents. Right. You start with one, mom's the bad guy, and yeah. then the whole movie is you like, idolize oh, your wait, father, but oh, then wait suddenly, a yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Dad's actually a very deeply flawed person. Yes. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I just liked some of the parts of this, I guess, more where it was both mom and dad have their own flaws. In okay. this case, it might be that Adam Driver has a few more flaws with his infidelity that happened. But Scarlett Johansson equally has some elements of things that they're it's it's funny because the movie they're almost like held hostage to their own divorce proceedings. Like their divorce lawyers are saying terrible things about each other and they're just sort of sitting there, but they're still going along with it. Yeah. And that's what kind of made it interesting to me. Hmm. 
Uh, so, real quick on Marriage Story. I have not seen Marriage Story, yeah. um, but watching some of the trailers and reading some of the the background on it, frankly, I, I'll be honest, my parents are divorced. So, yeah. And they divorced when I was uh, in my late teens. So I understood some of the nuances and some of the things. And yeah, there was an article about that scene and how real to life it was. And I was reading it and I was like... Yeah, okay, I'm not going to watch this yeah, movie because it's going to get flashbacks. Nope, mm-mm, no, I'm good. So. There was a joke of someone playing that video but making it more authentic by playing it in the other room and then hiding in their room so you just hear the yelling. Oh. It was a very dark joke, but I'm sure it, it feels true to life. Yeah, so if I'm that's a little too that. much for you, mm-hmm. nope, no, I don't okay. think it will win, though. It might win it for doesn't the screenplay. Seem, it doesn't seem likely. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love this movie. To the point where I'm like, "Yep, it's gonna win," but mm, I don't know. We'll f- we'll f- we'll find out a little bit later. Um, I I love this movie because it's the perfect, you know, it's it's the perfect love letter to the last great era of Hollywood because you had that transition from around 1966, 67 to about 1975, where the studio systems are dying and. Now it's Hollywood trying to hang on to what's left. And they probably can't. Yeah. And it's this beautiful just setting of of essentially of Hollywood. And it's like, yeah, these are our last days, but damn it, we're going to enjoy what's left of it. And I thought that Tarantino wrote a perfect love letter to it. And it, I frankly love it because it's my favorite era of Hollywood. So... And I, I think Thank in, you, Quentin. in Thank similar you. ways to The Irishman, it feels like his most reflective kind of work. Yeah, where oh, he, absolutely. Especially the ending where it's just like, oh, he just goes up and talks with them and that's it. Yeah. The only thing that kind of throws me a little bit and the reason why I feel like it maybe got lost is when it introduces the narration towards the end to sort of explain things. Yeah. Where it had been very patient up to that point, especially the middle scenes where they all go off and do their own thing. Brad Pitt goes to the ranch. He goes and rehearses his scenes. This felt like they almost ran out of time and were like, oh, we have to catch everybody up. He does that, though. I mean, there's there's a random Samuel L. Jackson narration twice in in, uh, Inglorious Bastards. No introduction. Just here's here's the bastards. And then like, here's how (laughs) silver nitrate film works. (laughs) And and, and, and I I do appreciate that because if you know the story of Sharon Tate, spoiler alert, yeah. yeah, bad things happen to Sharon Tate. Um, and this it, deconstructs that a little bit. It sets up, oh my God, this is like, this is actually going to happen. But then it flips on you. And you're like, oh, because. It's just to get there, it felt like there had to be a lot of like intervening and work done to catch right, us up to that point. And right. it threw off the pacing a little bit. Okay. For me. Yeah. So, so I think there's a, there's a bigger question here, which is, is like, are they ever going to give Tarantino. An Oscar for for Best Picture, I and 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 I'm not saying he deserves it necessarily, but I just think there's something to the fact of like I think they would be really hesitant to give Tarantino a Best Picture uh, Oscar. I think they could. It's one of his last movies until apparently he makes a Star Trek movie, which sounds strange. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think Tarantino is as antagonistic to Hollywood as people seem to think he is. No. He's sort of a very abrasive person at times. He'll get asked questions and we'll be upset at those questions. Yell at them, yes. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, I think this could be the one. And he did get recognition at the Golden Globes 
for his uh, screenplay. So if it's not this one, it would be hard to imagine that another one would. Yeah, because it's got the Hollywood talking about Hollywood yeah. thing going, and yeah, mm-hmm. and yep. the the days of Hollywood that they wish would come back. Right, right, right. right. Uh, I, I, a lot I of nostalgia. Say, I will say this about Quentin Tarantino, though. Uh, the Oscars do owe him for a certain movie called Pulp Fiction, so it's like, hey, we're sorry, <laughs> and they are known for doing. They that. are known for doing. We're sorry, uh, but, but I, I, don't I don't think there should be we're sorry awards. <laughs> I, what was funny is I think we would have had that, but then, well, right. Let's talk about the last one <laughs> alphabetically on our list. Parasite, because there's actually something else that's worth mentioning with Parasite. It is it also up for, for for best international feature, which it probably will which win. It, and so here's the question: When and this this has happened before with animation, really great movies win an animation award and then therefore don't win the big one because they're like, well, it got best animation, got a consolation, it got prize. a consol- yeah. consolation prize. So here's the question: Is it good enough to win both the international feature? And best picture. I would yes. say yes. And the question is more: Is the Oscars good enough for Parasite? I'm, I'm going <laughs> that far. Flip the script. My I'm God. going that far because honestly, and I've been alluding to it earlier, the Oscars is a very strange awards show where not all the movies are watched. And I am worried, and I don't want to have it be that then my description becomes prescription that you shouldn't watch movies with subtitles. I'm worried Academy of Voters might skip over it which the director alluded to that all you need to do is get over the small barrier to all these great films if you just watch with subtitles. I think it should. I think it would be historic to have it win. It would be the first international slash foreign language film to win Best Picture. And I think it doing both would just show how there's no reason to separate based on international or language. Oh, I think you should have that category. I, I really think it's do. valuable to have all these other films, and like it would be unfortunate if those got excluded. But they're all still movies. Like it shouldn't yeah. be that they're like pushed to the side in a consolation category. It should be viewed as equal. In other words, I I, de- I do hear what you're saying, but I I think it's 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 fine to have the 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 foreign yeah. film international feature. Absolutely, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to say anything about Parasite? I mean, you, you, you've, you've already said plenty, but uh, any, <laughs> any additional things you want to say about? I, I look at Parasite and I think that I, uh, this is my, I think it should win. Okay. I think it will win. Okay. Uh, the, the Academy the last few years has had a struggle when it comes to best pictures, whether it's the kerfuffle with Moonlight and La La Land or the surprise of Green Book, Green Book which was kind of like, oh, this is the Oscars' chance to get it right. Redeem themselves. And yeah. once again, and I kind of talked about this Although a little earlier. Although to be clear, like Moonlight, uh, Moonlight was – Yeah, it was the better a, picture. A, radi- a radically different film well, for, for, sure, the, for, for the Oscars. For sure, to, for yeah, sure. It yeah. was, but you're right. It was overshadowed by the actual envelope. Yeah. Except, which was unfortunate. And the way the the night had been trending at that point, you right. were like, okay, La La Land's going to win this. Right. And then when it happened, you're like, of course, no way. Of course. Hold up. What? Something's going on. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, Parasite, it's such a – you're just you – know, like it, it is one of those movies where you're just absolutely just in a trance. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. And you walk out of it. Like I walked out of it the first time just mind blown. And I'm like, that was a really good movie, but I need to see it. It, it makes you want to watch the movie again. And just the way the storytelling is done, the cinematography – Oscar nominees or Oscar voters, 
<laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, if you are listening, vote for this movie. I think they've already voted. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, once again, I'd like to see, and I know this won't happen, I'd like to see how the voting shakes out because, once again, Parasite, it doesn't, it's, it's not your typical Oscar movie, yeah. but if you put this in English, everybody's going to love it. So what do you... What do you think if it's not Parasite? What do you think is going to win? Maybe nineteen seventeen because it is a technical marvel. Roger Deakins as the cinematographer does a great job, and he did get recognized previously, finally for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But this is pretty remarkable. They're able to do it. Um, people like old history war stories. War I think, movies do well. Yeah, I think that's the the tie between them. It's just that nineteen seventeen. For me, there were small glimpses of what could have been an interesting story about how war sort of becomes this cycle and how people become very disillusioned. But that was very, like, brief surface level. It was all very much more about just moving forward set piece to set piece. An action action movie, really. An action movie in, in all intents and purposes. The reason I think Parasite would be great is it's not a sort of without sounding too dismissive, a pity award. It's not recognizing someone for his previous work, even though Bong Joon-ho has made a breath of great films. I think this is probably his best film, potentially since Mother, maybe of all time. I I thought Snowpiercer, which had a lot of... I I was let down eventually by it. Yeah, Yeah, some people felt that was a little on the nose. And I think that was because there's interesting stories of him talking about working with Harvey Weinstein and how Harvey Weinstein was cutting a lot of the things right, he wanted right, in it. Right, true. And so that might have been part of it. Maybe his version would have been better, but... Yeah, it, it, either way, I would like to see more. And sometimes awards, the only thing that ends up being important is it gets recognition and ability to have more freedom to do what you want and make yeah. good stories like this. Yeah, Chase is going 1917. I mean, I, I agree, but I think for, just for the sake of, hey, there's some other award-winning nominees and... and, and award-winning films, worthy films. I would go because I think just the way Little Women is done, I think that I could see the voters going Little Women. I, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I think that I've heard nothing but good reviews from it. So I go either Little Women or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because of the fact that it essentially is a love letter and Quentin Tarantino will... We're sorry. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I will just remind people that you can watch uh, the Film Awards Party at the Grand Cinema, uh, and that's going to be February 9th, a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, It's on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, check that out. So thank you to my panel. Thank you, Chase. Thank you, Andrew, for uh, coming to talk about movies with me. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We should should do this again next time in tuxedo (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. I like it. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. The We Art Tacoma podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.